The pericope of Scripture this morning is from the book of Isaiah. And we're going to begin reading in chapter 8, verse 11, to the end of chapter 9. For the Lord spake thus to me with a strong hand and instructed me that I should not walk in the way of this people, saying, Say ye not a confederacy to all them to whom this people shall say a confederacy. Neither fear ye their fear nor be afraid. Sanctify the Lord of hosts himself and let him be your fear and let him be your dread. And he shall be for a sanctuary, but for a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense to both the houses of Israel, for a gin and for a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And many among them shall stumble and fall and be broken and be snared and be taken. Bind up the testimony, seal the law among my disciples, and I will wait upon the Lord that hideth his face from the house of Jacob, and I will look for him. Behold, I and the children whom the Lord hath given me are for signs and for wonders in Israel from the Lord of hosts, which dwelleth in Mount Zion. And when they shall say unto you, Seek unto them that have familiar spirits, and unto wizards that peep and that mutter. Should not a people seek unto their God, for the living to the dead? To the law and to the testimony. If they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. And they shall pass through it, hardly bestead and hungry, and shall come to pass that when they shall be hungry, they shall fret themselves and curse their king and their God and look upward. And they shall look unto the earth and behold trouble and darkness, dimness of anguish, and they shall be driven to darkness. Nevertheless, the dimness shall not be such as it was in her vexation when at the first he lightly afflicted the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali and afterward did more grievous afflict her by the way of the sea beyond Jordan in Galilee of the nations. The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. Thou hast multiplied the nation and not increased the joy. They joy before thee according to the joy in harvest, and as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. For thou hast broken the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, as in the day of Midian. For every battle of the warrior is with confused noise and garments rolled in blood. But this shall be with the burning and fuel of fire. For unto us 
a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. And upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom, to order it, to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. The Lord sent a word unto Jacob, and it hath lightened upon Israel. And all the people shall know, even Ephraim and the inhabitant of Samaria, that say in the pride and stoutness of heart, the bricks are fallen down, but we will build hewn stones. The sycamores are cut down, but we will change them into cedars. Therefore the Lord shall set up the adversaries of resin against him and join his enemies together. The Syrians before, the Philistines behind, and they shall devour Israel with open mouth. For all this, his anger is not turned away, but his hand is stretched out still. For the people turned not unto him that smiteth them, neither do they seek the Lord of hosts. Therefore the Lord will cut off from Israel head and tail, branch and rush in one day. The ancient and the honorable, he is the head. And the prophet that teacheth lies, he is the tail. For the leaders of this people cause them to err, and they that are led of them are destroyed. Therefore the Lord shall have no joy in their young men, neither shall have mercy on their fatherless and widows. For everyone is an hypocrite and an evildoer, and every mouth speaketh folly. For all this his anger is not turned away, but his hand is stretched out still. For wickedness burneth as a fire. It shall devour the briars and the thorns. It shall kindle the thickets of the forest. And they shall mount up like lifting up of smoke. Through the wrath of the Lord of hosts is the land darkened. And the people shall be as fuel of the fire. No man shall spare his brother. And he shall snatch on the right hand and be hungry, and he shall eat on the left hand, and they shall not be satisfied. They shall eat every man the flesh of his own arm, Manasseh Ephraim, and Ephraim Manasseh, and they together shall be against Judah. For all this his anger is not turned away, but his hand is stretched out still. In that dark picture of the threat, the judgment that's coming of God, we have our beautiful prophecy, verse 6 and 7. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. 
upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. May God bless the reading and the preaching of his word. Here by your pulpit and on my pulpit in Cornerstone, is the phrase of the Greeks who came to the disciples saying, Sirs, we would see Jesus. Cornerstone, I'm preaching a series of sermons on Isaiah, and we have the last weeks been looking at the beautiful portrait of the Messiah found in the book of Isaiah. What a terrible darkness in the history of Israel here. First of all, there is Assyria along with the northern kingdom attacking Judah and Jerusalem. They want to remove the king from the throne and set up one of their own kings. They want to stop the throne of David from being established. And King Ahaz, rather than trusting in the Lord to give deliverance, no, he would not ask for a sign of the Lord. But the Lord gives one in Isaiah chapter 7, the virgin that conceives and bears a son. Trusting in Assyria, even Assyria is going to come against Judah and Jerusalem. And this is the Lord's doing Assyria and Syria and the northern kingdom are but instruments of judgment in the hand of the Lord, instruments of judgment against wicked Judah for her sins and her failure to trust in God. Yes, it is true, we read here in chapter 8, that Syria and the northern kingdom will not prevail before Isaiah's sons are old enough to say father or mother, those kingdoms are going to be done away with. But Assyria is going to come and the walls are going to come tumbling down and God's people will be taken into captivity because of their sins. Implied is that by contrast, those who turn to the Lord, those who hope and turn to his law and his testimony, they can expect the dawn of light. They can experience God's grace and peace upon themselves. What beautiful light will shine in the midst of that darkness. And Isaiah is given the ability to have that vision of that light that is to come in the midst of darkness. In the, and it's not just the darkness, beloved, it's not just the darkness of their enemies, their earthly enemies. That's just the instrument of God's wrath against them. The darkness is of their sin and their rebellion. They have turned away from the Lord. They're serving idols instead. They're living for themselves. They're living in sin. There's no justice in the land from the rulers to the people. They have turned away from the Lord. 
And so they are a people that is sitting in darkness, in sorrow and in misery and in despair. Is there any hope? Is there any hope for that little remnant which is as a hut in a cucumber field or a hut in a vineyard so small? Is there any hope for them? And it is in that darkness that God gives this prophecy of a child that is born and a son that is given. What a glorious prophecy of the king who is going to come with righteousness and is going to rule in his kingdom of righteousness. And he will bind his citizens to himself and they will gladly serve him. That darkness, beloved, is still here in the world, isn't it? Yes, there is persecution in the church in many different countries. But I'm talking now about the darkness in your and my own hearts. The darkness in the lives of the church. Our sin. Our guilt. Yes, we are God's people. Yes, we are that elect remnant. Is there hope for us? Or is the whole world going to be destroyed in God's judgment because of the sin? Hope for you and I. We live in a world of darkness, sin, and the wages of sin is death, judgment. And the evil of this world is only growing worse and worse. And we might wonder, we're probably worse as a nation now than Sodom and Gomorrah ever were. And the church, much of the church, is in a very sorry state of apostasy. Our hope is in the wonderful Messiah that is promised. Yes, in his vision, in the darkness, Isaiah sees a light there. But not only does he see that light that arises in the darkness, but he hears something. He hears singing. He see, hears joy and rejoicing with the people crying, unto, uh, 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 crying out, unto us is a child born. Unto us a son is given. Yes, the people who sat in darkness then and may you and I be those people that sit in darkness, see a great light, and break out with rejoicing. Rejoicing in Christ Jesus. My theme is, what child is this? What child is this? The child that brings salvation. Notice in the first place, his person. Notice in the second place, his kingdom. Notice in the third place, his wonderful names. Beginning with his person. Who is this? There are those interpreters of the Bible who want to say, well, 
Isaiah is that prophet who was there during Uzziah, Jehoram, Uzziah, Ahaz, and then finally Hezekiah. This must be that king Hezekiah who comes to the throne and brings reformation. Is that the child? For notice in this prophecy, we read here, of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it, to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. Hezekiah ruled on the throne only a few years. Long enough for him to have his son Manasseh born who takes over the throne when he's about 12 years old. Hezekiah did bring great reformation, but Hezekiah was also a terrible sinner. He also wanted to trust in Assyria for a while until Assyria turned against him. No, this prophecy is fulfilled only by our Lord Jesus Christ. We know that. We know that because the scriptures tell us who this child is. For we read in Matthew chapter 4, verses 13 through 14. Now Jesus, he had heard that John the Baptist was put in prison. Jesus leaving Nazareth, he came and he dwelt in Capernaum, which is upon the seacoast, in the borders of Zebulun and Naphtali that it might be fulfilled what was spoken by Esaias the prophet, saying, the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, the Galilee of the Gentiles, the people which sat in darkness saw great light. And to them that sat in the region, the shadow of death, light is sprung up. So scripture tells us what this child is, who this child is. It is none other than our Lord Jesus Christ. They're teaching in Capernaum. They're doing all those miracles in Capernaum. What a light in the midst of darkness, darkness of sin. Darkness that didn't want the light. They wanted the miracles. They wanted the food that he provided, but they didn't want the light himself, Christ Jesus. Who is this child? Look closely at the phrases there. Unto us a child is born. This Messiah, this Savior that they are looking for is one of us. He is a human being. He has a human nature like you I, and I do. He came in our flesh in the likeness of our sinful flesh. Not, he didn't have sin, but all the tiredness, all the sicknesses, he is just like us in every way except for sin. Let me note with you, unto us a child is born. He is a real human being. And I want to emphasize that he is a real, complete, though weakened individual because of the denial of that in history. 
There were those who taught that Christ's humanity came out of heaven itself because they didn't want him to be associated with us too closely because of our depravity. So they said his humanity came from heaven and just passed through Mary like water passes through the tap. The water isn't of the tap. The water just passes through the tap. And so they say Jesus Christ came from heaven, his human nature came from heaven, and only just passed through Mary's womb. Not really like us. He had a humanity different than us. Not flesh and bones. That was the teaching of the Anabaptist. That was the teaching of Karl Karl Barth. They went to that teaching so they would say, He was not tainted at all with our depravity. Now, we would agree with him. He was not tainted with our depravity because he was conceived by the Holy Spirit. But he was of Mary. Mary is the mother of our God. And that's why there is that relationship between Christ Jesus and us. That is why he can be our mediator, the one who rescues and delivers us from our sin and our guilt. He is a central human being. What do I mean with that term, a central human being? That he's not just one individual among many individuals, but he is central in the human race. He is the son of Adam and Eve. You remember when Eve had her child, Cain, She exclaimed, I've got a man from the Lord. She must have thought that here was her deliverer. She produced him, born of Adam and Eve. But you and I who know that story know that Cain was not that deliverer. Cain was a wicked man. You could call him Antichrist. Central human being because he is that seed of Abraham which we read in Galatians chapter 3, notice it is a singular seed, not many, one. He is that seed of Abraham through whom Abram is going to be blessed with many nations. He is the seed of David, the only one who has an everlasting throne born under the law, born under the curse of the law, born for the sake of God's elect people. Unto us a child is born at a certain time, a definite time, and a definite place. God determined when, in the fullness of time, God determined where in Bethlehem. Yes, a child is born. That's what we're going to be celebrating at Christmas. May not the glitter and the presents around a tree steal our attention from the real purpose of Christmas. The real, as Reverend Hawk preached last Sunday night, the unspeakable gift that God has given to his people. Unto us a child is born Unto us a son is given. 
Oh, not just that he is a male, but he is the son of David. He is the divine son of God. Isn't that what we read in Psalm 2? Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree the Lord has said unto me, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten of thee. Ask of me, and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance, and the utmost parts of the earth for thy possession. Unto us a son is given. Given because you and I could never produce this kind of Messiah that we need, a Savior. Eternally generated. He is the eternal Son whom the Father has begotten and continues to beget. The Son who loves his Father and came to earth to do his Father's will. He is the Son of God in our flesh, born in our human nature by the overshadowing power of the Holy Spirit. Yes, yes, the song that Isaiah hears is, a son is given. That son that was promised for so long, as Isaiah sees 800 years in advance, that promise that is 4,000 years old, that promise that has come over and over and over again with more and more clarity, he is given. That promise is fulfilled. Oh, what an unspeakable gift. A son is given. John 3, verse 16, For God so loved his cosmos that he gave his only begotten son. He is given to us, to you and to me. Grandpas and grandmas, Fathers and mothers, sons and daughters. He's given to us. Oh yes, in one sense, all of our children are given to us. It's only by God's grace and God's wisdom that, and providence, that he gives us children. But this son is given to us in a very special sense. He has given to us to redeem us as sinners, to lift us out of the darkness of our sin and guilt into his brilliance of light. Isn't that the purpose of why we're saved? Peter says that we may declare the praises of him who has drawn us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And I want you to notice in both of these phrases, a child is given and a son is born. That's a perfect tense. In other words, Isaiah is speaking, not because it already took place, it's going to take place 800 years in the future, but he speaks of it in this sense because it's so certain. There's no doubt in his mind. God has given this vision that in the midst of darkness and John's judgment, he remembers his own and he remembers his mercy and love. Emphasized in our text is that historical 
nature of the gift and the birth promised for so long. He sees that. And now before I go off that first point, notice the song he hears. He sees that vision of that light and he hears this rejoicing of God's people that sat in darkness and now have the light and they sing unto us. A child is born unto us, a son is given. That does not mean all humanity. The stores like to play these Christmas carols to get you in the mood so you'll spend more of your dollars. Many will sing and listen to these songs on their radios when driving or working. But those only who know our God in Christ Jesus by God's grace are able to sing this song. He gave his son for that remnant that look to him, that trust in him, and have not gone after the other idols in the land. Unto us. Didn't do your hearts good yesterday at Covenant's concert to hear your covenant youth playing and singing these very words or the last songs of the choir unto us a child is born unto us a son is given and tonight you get to hear your covenant youth in the christmas program singing their songs of love and praise for our Lord Jesus Christ. He is a savior that is of the church and in the church and for the church. Born for God's elect for our sakes. And that's why we still worship at Bethlehem and sing these words, unto us a child is born Unto us a son is given. Notice with me in the second place, his kingdom. For in verse 6 and then on 7, it talks about the government that is upon his shoulder. What government is that? He is a king. The theocracy, God is the king of his kingdom. Think a minute of Psalter number 266. God is king forever. Let the nations tremble. Think of Psalm 2. God has set his Christ upon the throne. Let the kings tremble before him. A government, a kingdom. In other words, there is responsibility laid upon his shoulders to care for and to govern his people. To deliver them from their darkness, from their sins, from their enemies in this world. That responsibility lays on his shoulders to establish that kingdom, to administer that kingdom, to preserve that kingdom, and to bring that kingdom to its highest fulfillment when he comes again and there will be no more sin or guilt or devil or wicked people, 
but we will dwell with Christ in the new heavens and the new earth. He is a king. He is a ruler. He is sovereign. I want you to notice that this kingdom is different than all the kingdoms of the world. Even in Jesus' day, the people were still looking for an earthly kingdom, someone to get rid of those nasty Romans. Just as the time here in Hezekiah's reign, there was the Assyrians who came up against the city, and God delivered them from it. It's not an earthly kingdom, it is a spiritual kingdom. That first of all. Because over against post-millennialism and over against the teaching in many of our Christian colleges, we keep on hearing about how you and I have to establish the kingdom. We have to cause the kingdom to come. Foolish. Nowhere, nowhere does it say in the Bible that we bring about the kingdom or we prepare a kingdom for Christ so he can come. Neither is this the kingdom of the premillennialist, for they are thinking of a kingdom of the Jews only, and so they're rejoicing as finally as Israel is getting against Hamas and the Palestinians. They're looking for an earthly kingdom. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. He said that to Pilate. Pilate didn't have to worry about him. His kingdom is a kingdom of grace, first of all. It is his church. You and I, by grace, are made citizens of that kingdom when we are reborn, when we are given faith, and we are established in Christ Jesus. His church, his people, delivering them from all of their darkness of sin and guilt, Delivering them from all the troubles of this world. There's many of them. Giving us perfect rest. Now by faith and one day by sight in heaven. His kingdom is not only a kingdom of grace, but it's also a kingdom of power. That is, he subdues all the other kingdoms of this world. The kingdoms of this world come one after another. It used to be Europe. Then it was America. Now it maybe looks like it'll be China. Kingdoms that come and go. Boys and girls, do you remember that dream of King Nebuchadnezzar? That great image about 90 feet tall, head of gold, a breast of silver, thighs of brass, Legs of iron. Kingdoms that go from beauty, gold, to strength, iron. But all those kingdoms stand on feet and toes made of iron and clay. And over against all those great kingdoms of the world, Nebuchadnezzar sees and Daniel is able to interpret there comes this little pebble. This little stone cut out without hands comes down and it rolls down and it hits those, that great big kingdom that Nebuchadnezzar sees, and it's smashed to pieces. And then that little stone grows, and it grows, and it grows, and it fills the whole world. 
That is the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is king. He rules this whole world in his power. He is the Lord of hosts. So he even uses the devil to do his work. He uses the wicked to bring their persecution. The time for every war, the time for every kind of famine and hurricane and trouble in the world are all in his hands. Yes, he says, all dominion is given unto me and my enemies are made my footstool. Jesus Christ is king. Matthew 11, verse 27, all things are delivered unto me of my Father. John 5, verse 22, over against the terrible sins of the cities of Capernaum and Chorazin, Jesus says, the Father hath committed all judgment unto the Son. The government is on his shoulder, and he's going to establish it. And he's going to order it with judgment and with justice. There was so much injustice at various times in the kingdom of Judah and in the time of Jerusalem. Christ comes. And he's going to come with judgment. Judgment that is going to make the judgment that came upon wicked Judah look small. The judgment that is always taking place on the wicked throughout all their life and into eternity. For God hates the wicked in time and in eternity and judges them. Judgment, but also deliverance then. Deliverance for those who look to him, who trust in him, who love him. Oh yes, we could sing as a nice Christmas song. Number 222, God is king forever. Let the nations tremble. And how was that kingdom established? It was established when he came from heaven down here and was born in the manger of Bethlehem. It was established when he lived his whole life bearing the wrath of God for our sins and serving God faithfully and righteously. You see, it's at the cross. It's at the cross that Jesus laid down the foundation for his kingdom, and that is his righteousness. It is at the cross that Christ Jesus destroyed our enemies, destroyed the devil and his dominion, and the kingdom of darkness. As Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And after he ascended, arose from the dead, he ascended into heaven triumphantly, and he is the Lord of the world, ruling in power, but ruling his church in his grace. Yes, his is the throne forever. So we looked at his person, we've looked at his kingdom, and now we're not quite done yet, because let's thirdly look at his wonderful names. Five of them mentioned here. Wonderful. Counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. Wonderful. 
Isn't he wonderful as the Son of God who took our human nature? Isn't the incarnation the wonder of wonders? One person, a divine person, but sharing also our human nature so he could stand in our place. All the divine attributes belong to him. There's not only the wonder of his incarnation then, but there is also the wonder of his dying and his resurrection. He says, I lay down my life. No one takes it. I take it up again. All the wonders of the miracles that took place there in Capernaum, and they liked the miracles, but they didn't like the miracle worker. What a wonder. What a wonder in the work that he accomplishes, our salvation. What a wonder. Do you think of it? You and I born in sin. And we would do every imaginable wicked thing possible left to ourselves. But oh, the wonder of Christ Jesus by his word and spirit creating new life in us. Giving us faith. Preserving us in that faith causing us to know that even though we're vile sinners, the Spirit says, you're justified. You look to Jesus. You believe on him. He's forgiven your sins. Oh, the wonder of the Spirit of Christ and his word as we strive to live for him. It's his work in us, enabling us to do those good works. He is wonderful. Say it with me. He's wonderful. Say it with me. He is a counselor. That means our great prophet has great wisdom to give us over against those folks in Isaiah's day who wanted to go to the seers or to the sorcerers for a good word. Christ Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the one who imparts to us the wisdom of knowing God and his plan of salvation. He is the one who imparts to us the wisdom to know that by grace alone we are saved in Christ Jesus. It is his wisdom that causes us to look away from ourselves to him to be our teacher, to lead us in the way that we must go as citizens of the heavenly kingdom. Christ is our chief prophet. May the Lord give you another pastor soon so that again, in your own pastor, not only on Sundays, but from house to house, he may bring the wisdom of God's word, the truth. He makes us wise unto salvation. He is the mighty God. And when we say mighty, we don't mean he's one hero amongst many heroes in the world. No. Rather, he is God. A man would never be able to establish this kingdom that lasts forever and ever. Yes, there was Joshua who led Israel for a while. It went well with Israel as long as Joshua was there. But when he died, there grew up a generation that knew not the Lord. The judges were there temporarily relieving them here and from there, but they also pass on. We have a mighty God who reigns supreme over all things, 
and will defeat all of our enemies. Oh, don't you know he is a mighty God in what he does in your own heart and life? Not unto us, not unto us, but unto thy name give glory, the Bible says. He is the mighty God who establishes his kingdom in the new heavens and the new earth, and nothing, nothing can prevent it. He is the Lord of hosts, and everything does his bidding. What a sovereign God. He does what is humanly impossible, whether it be in the virgin birth, whether it be in our own new birth from above, or the new creation that is going to come. He is able to save all those who trust in him. Fourth name, everlasting father. That's an interesting one, isn't it? Usually we think of the triune God as our father when we pray, our father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. But now we also know Christ Jesus as father. Isaiah 63, verse 16 Thou, O Lord, art our Father, our Redeemer. Thy name is from everlasting. Everlasting. What another divine attribute there, even though he came in time. In what way is he an everlasting Father? Well, just as Adam, the first Adam, was the father of the whole human race, Romans points out that Jesus Christ is the Father of the elect. He is the last Adam who gives life, in whom we are saved. And as a father, boys and girls, think of your parents. Your parents who care for you, who love you, who guide you. Christ Jesus is in heaven. And Christ Jesus has tender love for you and for me as our Father, our everlasting Father, he loves each one of us. As he says, no one is able to pluck them out of my father's hand, and no one is able to pluck them out of my hand. You and I, held by Christ Jesus. What assurance that gives us. It's not in ourselves because we fall into sin over and over and over again. We look away from ourselves to our Savior, Christ Jesus. What light in the midst of darkness. He is the Prince of Peace. No, not the kind of peace that the guns and the bombs and the treaties between nations brings. There is no lasting peace there. Look at us right now again with Russia, Cold War, or China, or Korea. Look at the fighting going on in the Middle East. There is no peace for the wicked. Christ doesn't give them peace. But there is peace to those who hope and look to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the holy God and sinful man, how can they walk together except that barrier between them, namely sin, is taken away and they are reconciled to God? He's our Prince of Peace. You and I worship today, not afraid that there's going to be thunderbolts hitting us from the wrath of God. But we worship today 
a loving Father in heaven who gave his Son and who removed our sin and has clothed us with Christ's righteousness. We have peace with God, and oh, may we have peace with one another instead of fighting with each other. Forgiving one another, encouraging one another, building up one another in the church. The church should not be a place of bitterness and envy and fighting. But saints who have been forgiven, now also saints who forgive one another and worship at the throne of Christ Jesus. Won't you sing that song with me this morning? Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall be on his shoulder. And his name shall be Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Amen. O oh, Father, we thank thee that these beautiful words that we hear in this prophecy give us light in the midst of the darkness of our own sins and guilt and the darkness of this world that soon will be judged and renewed. We're thankful that we know that this kingdom is real. The, kingdom, the king is real and bringing it about. For we read in thy word, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. No doubt. So lead on, O King Eternal. Lead thy children closer to thyself in faith and love and obedience. Hasten the coming of thy kingdom in all of its fullness. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.